If you've got your Bibles uh, with you, please turn to Mark chapter 4. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab, a, grab one from the pew in front of you. Um, turn to page 839. We will be pretty solidly right here in Mark chapter 4 today. I'm looking specifically at verses 1 through 34, which is a lot to bite off. And so there's a lot of content that we're going to be dealing with today. Um, but I'm hoping that it'll just whet your appetite and you will dig deeper into the text uh, over the week. And uh, of course, if you have any thoughts or questions, we'll continue. Uh, you can give me a call and I'd love to chat with you more about it. Mark is an interesting gospel. Uh, Mark is a no-frills book. It's, it's from beginning to end, Jesus hits the ground and he's running. Uh, it's, it's a breakneck pace uh, versus a lot of the other gospels, the other gospels that we have that have more um, chunks of teaching, we see Jesus doing a fair amount. And immediately as Jesus opens, uh, or as the gospel itself, as the book opens up, in chapter 1, verse 15, we have Jesus um, preaching. He's going from synagogue to synagogue. He's traveling all over the region. And Mark summarizes his sermons with this line. The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel or the good news. Believe this thing that I'm telling you. Mark doesn't fill out the sermon. He doesn't, he doesn't give us all of the different things. He summarizes it for us. And so this statement is incredibly important. If we don't understand this, we don't understand what Jesus is up to. So it's kind of important, right? Uh, what's interesting about us in our day and age, of course, if you took this and you went out in the street or you said to somebody this sentence, the time is fulfilled, kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe it, not only would they look at you like you're... If, in fact, if you went from church to church and you declared this, people would probably still think you're off your meds because this is not language we use. This is not the way that we, we talk about things. We don't have a framework for understanding this. We don't use kingdom language. We don't, we don't necessarily understand what's happening here. So, so Mark's um, hearers, Jesus' hearers, have kind of a, a step up, a leg up on us because it's clearly enough for Mark just to drop this line in the gospel and walk away and assume that people understand what he is saying. He doesn't need to fill it out. We do. We do. And so I want to do that very quickly because if we don't understand this, we will not understand Mark chapter 4. We will not understand the parables of Jesus. So the time is fulfilled is pretty easy. It's time. Something that we've been hoping for is now happening. And that thing that we've been hoping for that is now happening, Jesus calls it the kingdom of God. And that simply means the time, the place, the area in which God invades the world and he becomes Lord of all, visible king over the cosmos. And then, of course, there's all kinds of implications that follow after that. If I put it in my own parable, I would say it like this. There is a time when we will vote for a new president, right, in November, not this November, but some November when people vote. Um, there will be a time when we, we would vote for a new president, and that new president will be elected, and they will be, you know, the president-elect. But it, the president-elect doesn't actually take office until when? 
It's like January sometime, right? January. And so between the time of November and between the time of January, you kind of have two presidents. You have one that is acting in, in charge and doing all kinds of things, maybe really terrible things. Maybe he's uh, signing all kinds of executive orders or he is uh, letting all kinds of, he's, he's forgiving people who should be remaining in jail, right? Well, he's doing all kinds of terrible things. But we know that there's a time when this new president will come into office and the old, the terrible president will be set aside and the new president can set things right. Make sense? This is what Jesus is saying. The kingdom, the reign, the rule of God is now coming. It's at hand. And all that was before is going to be passing away. He says, in fact, I think it's the Apostle John says, the world and its pleasures are passing away. The world is passing away. This age is passing away. And there is a new one that is on the horizon There is going to come a day when this kingdom will come and God will judge us by the secrets of our hearts, Paul says, which is kind of scary because I've done lots of bad things, but I've thought way more bad things, right? The secrets of our hearts. He will raise the dead, he will judge the dead, and he will reign in righteousness forever. So what is happening in Mark chapter 4, I am positing to you as an extension of this. So in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, 14 and 15, he just drops it. Here's the kingdom of God, it's at hand. And it isn't until Mark chapter 4 that we begin, begin to have some explanation for what the kingdom of God looks like. And Jesus explains that in parables which are stories with a point, stories with a teaching. Now, remember how I said last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago, that you need to make sure that you pay more attention to set changes than the little black headings. Remember I was talking about that? With these little black headings that help us find things and it helps summarize things, but sometimes you might think that, well, here's a new black heading, and so Jesus is doing something completely new. He's talking about something completely unrelated to what came before. No, look for set changes. So the first set change, play language, musical language, since I don't want Chelsea's ire, musical language, set changes. (laughs) 4 verse 1, And again he, that is Jesus, began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him. So he got into the boat, and he sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he begins to teach them. Okay? Then, if you jump down to verse 35, set change. Verse 35, so bottom of the column, the next next column there. On that day, when evening had come, so new time, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. So here's a scene change, set change. So that tells us something important. It tells us that verse 1 through verse 34 is all one pericope, all one section, all one piece of scripture. And it breaks down like this. I'm trying to make this real clear because, again, this is a fair amount of, uh, of, of, of stuff. We have three sections in this larger section. The first section in verses 1 through 9 where Jesus delivers a parable to the people who are all standing around on the shore. So he's teaching from the boat, everybody's standing around, and he delivers a parable to them. He teaches them through a story. He then confuses everyone which I love. (laughs) And the disciples say, Jesus, we have no idea what you're talking about. Please let us in, in verses 10 through 20. And then in verses 21 through 34, Jesus explains even further. He takes this idea that he's built 
in this first story, and he pulls it along, explaining more and more as he goes. Everybody with me? Everybody with me? So far, that's... I love it. So far. (laughs) Now... Let's dive into the first parable. And this is one that you might have heard before. If you've darkened the door of a church, you go on to Sunday school somewhere, you've probably heard this story, the story of the sower. The sower goes along, and what does he do? Sows seed. See, you guys are already on top of it like crazy. Right? So Jesus, imagine this story. Jesus is standing or sitting in the boat, and there's a big crowd, and he says, a sower went out to sow seed. And you're like, okay, we've got this. I know. Anybody got a garden at home? Few, few people. Anybody ever worked in a garden? Everybody, anybody ever sowed a seed? Okay, more hands. Very good. What, one of the things that we miss when we hear this, we think of Jesus as Jesus says, oh, so I went out to sow seed, and I have this image of like, you know, somebody out in the back in their garden, right? No, that's a bad image. Because for them, the seed is what? Food. It is life. If you go out to sow seed in your backyard and your tomatoes don't come up this year, shucks. But luckily, down the, war, down the road, there's like four grocery stores or McDonald's or whatever, right? I mean, you, we don't rely in our daily lives on that seed. When I was a kid, I stayed at a, I stayed at a house um, over a few summers, and uh, I, my parents traveled far, and so they, they came in the morning uh, very early in the morning, everyone was asleep, and that's when I would get there, and they would come late at night. Well, my family assumed that these people fed me. They did not. And so from about 7 to about 7, there was no, there was no food. Um, and so what they had behind their house was this really large garden, I mean big, like, like maybe these two, two chunks of, of, of rows of corn and everything. And there is joy if you are a nine-year-old-ish boy and rhubarb comes up because that's food. That's what you, like, and so when, like, the tree out back that had, that had like, mulberries or whatever it was, I don't even know what it was, just these black berries, would, 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 would have berries on it. I mean, it was, like, I was so over, I remember vividly, like, eating corn for, like, the, the first seeds of the corn, and it was so amazing. I don't like corn anymore, probably for this reason, but it was life right? It was, food is life. They're not hearing Jesus say, hey, you know, I know you guys got some gardens, and I'm glad that you, 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 it's just like you're planting gardens. This is life and death. If we sow seed and it grows, we live. If we don't sow seed or we sow seed and it doesn't grow, we die. That's what they hear. The sower goes out to sow seed. Now, if you sow seed, what do you do before you sow seed? Till the ground, right? Why? Because you want it to grow. Because if you don't grow the seed, you die, right? And so Jesus immediately begins this parable ridiculously. A sower went out to sow seed, and he threw seed, and some of it fell on hard ground on the path. Well, that's dumb, right? You wasted seed. That's not going to grow. Why is it not going to grow? Because it's not in the ground, right? I mean, you've got you to plow the little thing, and you put the seeds in, and, and you weed them, and you pluck them, and you watch them. I mean, like, this is, this is not logic. Jesus talking, he's talking nonsense. Just goes out, the sower goes out, and he throws some seed, and, and some of the seed falls on the path. and doesn't take root, can't grow. 
He throws some other seed and falls in a rocky place. Why would you, like, anybody ever pick rocks in a field? Right? You pick rocks in those fields for hours and hours on end, picking rocks in the field so that it is got deep roots so it can grow. But he just threw it in the rocky ground. And so it sprang up, but when the sun got hot, it died. He threw some other seed and threw it in the, the weed bed. Dandelions everywhere, thorns and thistles everywhere, just threw it in there. Of course, it starts to grow, but the weeds grow up around it and it can't get enough light and it dies. And then he threw some on good soil. Well, there's a brainwave, right? Good thinking. Thank you, sower. And it grows. And Jesus is done. That's the story. Thank you, Miles. <laughs> I mean, you're sitting there thinking, what? Okay, what, what, what good does that do? Like, I mean, do you, do you feel the confusion that you would have had if you were just listening to Jesus tell this story? And so I, I empathize with the apostles who, in verses, uh, in verses 10 through 20, are like, uh, well, look at verse 10. You can got your Bibles, look at it. When he was alone, those around him, uh, around him with the 12, they asked him about the parables because that was nonsense. Nothing about what you just said made sense, Jesus. Jesus says something very important here. He said to them, to you has been given the secrets of what? The kingdom of God. He's hearkening back to the sermon that he has been proclaiming all throughout Judea. He's been wandering around preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Repent, believe the good news. The kingdom of God has come near to you and now I am Filling it out with some stories. Here's the first story. I am telling you, I'm giving them parables because I'm not terribly interested that they get it. I need you to get it. So I am giving you the secrets of the kingdom. And that's what these parables are going to be as we continue on through them. And so we are in a privileged position because we aren't the people on the shore wondering what in the world Jesus is talking about. We are with the apostles. We're in this inner circle. And we get to listen. We get to hear. And you get to have. You get to have the secrets of the kingdom of God. So what is the secret? Well, first let's start with the parable he gives us. The sower. The sower who has sowed seed. He says... Uh, In verse something, 14, the sower sows the word. What is the word? The word is the kingdom of God. It's this message that he's delivering, this message of the kingdom. The kingdom has come. Here it is, the message of the kingdom of God. The sower is sowing that word. And then he explains that there are some that are going to fall as that word gets sowed. As we proclaim the message, as we, like Jesus, proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God, or as Jesus proclaims the good news of the kingdom of God, it falls on people who are too hard-hearted to hear it. It falls on people who, who, whose roots don't go deep enough, and when times are tough, they give up. You ever known a Christian like that? You ever been tempted to do that? You ever had a place in your life maybe where you were in that boat, where you, things got hard and you just said, I can't, I'm done, I can't do it. Some fell along the thorns and the distractions, as we talked about last week, the distraction of the life choke out the gospel. 
But some of the seed falls in the good ground. And what does the good ground do? It produces 30, 60, 100 fold. Let me encourage you with that for a moment. Because if you're listening, if you have ears to hear, and you're saying, I want to be good soil. I want to pursue the kingdom of God. I want to pursue Christ with the deepest fervor possible. Think of all you can accomplish for the kingdom. One little tiny seed, 30, 60, a hundredfold. There is so much incredible potential in each and every one of you as the seed, the little kernel of the gospel gets put into your mind, into your heart, that you grab a hold of that you can do more than you think you can do. There is so much potential in each and every one of you if you would but realize who you are. If you would but realize the power of the gospel. And if you would but grab a hold of it with all your life. All your life. Just like what we were singing. Not just to cherish the old rugged cross like it's some nice thing, but to cherish it is to take it up, is to carry it on, is to become the sower after the seed has been sowed in you. So the kingdom of God is being proclaimed, this rule, this reign of God as we talked about, this new presidency, if you will. We sang the song, I love the song, uh, Paul uh, often um, puts up with my, my requests, and, and I love John Mark McMillan who wrote that song, and I love the power of that song. At first it was lost on me, but eventually it kind of really sunk in that we sing, you are good. We sing that over and over again. Some of you might think, well, that's really repetitive or that's really meaningless, but good. A ruler who is good. I am not good. I don't know anyone who is good. God is good. The fount of all goodness. And the message is that goodness is at the precipice, at the edge, ready to invade and take over all creation and let that goodness sink into all of reality. And you are invited to have a peace the territory you are invited into the goodness i love that song you are good with all of our words all the words flying at us we lose sometimes the power the truth of a word the word is good and the good is going forth with many such parables he is teaching and we see the next parable In verse 21, and he said to them, in fact, there's going to be a series of and he said to them, and he said to them, and he said to them, right? Continuation phrases so that we recognize that this is all, it begins with this. The message has gone forth. The kingdom of God is being proclaimed. It's its nearness is being proclaimed. And here are implications that come off it. And the implications are going to be especially helpful to those of you who want to be sowers. I hope, I hope, I pray, literally, I pray. There are people in this room who want to be sowers. That God has sowed goodness in you. He has sowed the message of the kingdom in you. And you are desperate to also sow that seed into other people. And here are the implications that follow. And I think this will help us to tell the story of the gospel. If you find that it is difficult for you to think, I don't know what I would say. Anybody ever said that? Like, I don't know what I would say to a person. I don't know how I would tell them about God. I wouldn't know where to begin. Let's do what Jesus did. First parable after 
the sower, is the lamp. He said to them, a lamp is brought in. Uh, He said to them, read English. Uh, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? Emery? When we put, uh, when we put your, if we went home tonight, should we take your nightlight and put it under your bed? Well, why would you not like that? Why? Because I'm scared of the dark. What does the light do? Why? What's the, what's the light do, Andrew? The nightlight. What's it do? No, Miles, I'm not, no, no, I'm not calling on you. I don't know what you're going to say. I don't trust you. His dad's right there. I know. I know. The light kills the darkness, right? You don't put a lamp, you don't put a nightlight underneath your bed because if you turn it on, is it going to make the room bright? No, it's going to keep the room dark. It's going to keep the room dark. But what does the lamp do? The lamp, Jesus says in verse 22, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. In other words, the kingdom of God, when it comes, is going to expose all our secrets. All those things that you thought no one would know about, it's going to expose it. So if that's true, and you believe the gospel, what should that lead you to do in your life? Don't do things that you don't want other people to know about, right? It would change the way you'd live your life. You're like, man, there's nothing I can do that's not going to be exposed when the kingdom of God comes and God's goodness invades and everyone knows everything. And it's just, things are exposed and we're exposed for who we are. Well, I want to cultivate in my life the kind of life that doesn't think bad thoughts, that doesn't feel bad emotions, that doesn't do bad things. I'm going to want to cultivate in my life a relationship with God that, that echoes the song we just sang, that great hymn, that he came to pardon but also to sanctify to make us holy, to begin the process of making us good. Because his kingdom is good. Right? So the light will reveal it. Jesus then takes the next step. He says, um, uh, and he said to them, verse 24, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And this is referring to, we might think of measuring cups, but think more of in terms of scales. Right? Scales. You can have uneven scales. In other words, if you look down your nose and you judge somebody, you judge the homosexual or the person who is transgender, and you say that's sin and you're sinful and you're, 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 you're to be pushed aside and to be judged, and yet you hold in your heart lustful thoughts. You look at pornography. You look, you look at somebody else as you're out and about, and you measure falsely. Do you see? If everything's exposed and everything's revealed and all the time you've been judging other people and condemning other people and yet you've had all these secret sins in your own life, what have you been? A false judge. Your scales are not equal. And what does Jesus say? He says the same measure that you have used to judge others, God is going to take that and he's going to measure it against you and then some. It's heavy. It's heavy. Now, some of you might think, well, good, then we shouldn't judge anybody. Nonsense, poopy pants. That is not what we're saying at all. (laughs) It's not saying 
You should not delineate between good and evil, right? Not in Scripture. We should be harsh in our judgments between good and evil, but we should recognize that if you are going to be the person who sows the seed, and you are the person who's saying, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, then you had better be the champion repenter. Make sense? Because if you're measuring against other people but not measuring against yourself, God's going to bring it to you. In fact, Jesus is harsh about this. Jesus condemns the Pharisees. He says, he says uh, uh, you tie up heavy burdens that are hard to bear and you lay them on people, but you aren't willing to pick up that burden yourself. Paul puts it this way. He says, do you suppose, O man, O woman, that you who judge people who practice such things and yet do them yourself will escape judgment just because you're a Christian, just because you've been baptized, just because you know some Bible verses, just because you've been teaching Sunday school for 40 years? You think God cares about that? The most disgusting thing in God's eyes is injustice. Read the scriptures carefully. Read the prophets. God despises injustice. False scales disgust him more than any other sin. More than any, do you hear me? More than any other sin. And so we must be very, very careful. We must be very, very careful. The, th- the second or the third parab- parable here is the parable of the harvest. And then he said to them, so expanding on that, so the, the first message is, it, 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 the message is getting spread, the gospel, the kingdom of God, the new president, the new king, the new rule, it's come near It's going to expose everything. And so if you have ears to hear that exposition, you know that the lamp is coming, that the kingdom comes, that all those deeds are going to be made known, then you better live according to it and make sure that if you live according to it and you become that sower who's preaching, that you are, that your conscience is clear, right? That your conscience is clear. What comes next? He has a, 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 a parable of the harvest. So the kingdom of God, verse 26 is as if a man scattered seed on the ground. Okay, we've been there. He sleeps, he rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and it grows, and he knows not how. The earth produced by itself the first blade, and then the ear, and then the full grain of ear. And then when the grain is ripe, at once he, pay, he takes the sickle to it, because harvest time's come, right? And that makes sense, doesn't it? The harvest has come in, and we know that you harvest through. And that is like the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is telling another parable that helps us understand it. So the seed is going forth. The gospel is being spread. We understand that when the gospel, when the kingdom of God comes, it will expose all of our deeds. What is the kingdom going to do? Then with those deeds that have now been exposed, it is going to be like harvest time. I would put it like this. You've been away from the office for a week. You've been on vacation. Anybody get to go on vacation this year? Yeah. Miles, again, he's very active this morning. You go away on vacation, and all week those emails have been piling up, haven't they? And you open up your browser, and you're looking at your emails, and like 95% of that's junk mail, right? Things that you, and so you're just clicking on, okay, yep. And then you go through and you weed through. Here are the emails that I don't need, and what do you do with them? Put them in your trash, delete them, they're gone. And here's now the emails that I have left that I want to engage with. These are the emails that, I want le- that I'm going to do. The kingdom of God is like this. God is going to harvest the world, and in his harvest he's gathering everything together, and then he will delineate, he will choose who was good, who applied themselves to the kingdom of God, who believed, who, let's use Jesus' words, who repent, 
repented and believed the good news of the kingdom of God, they are brought in and harvested, and the chaff is left out and burned up. This is good news. Like we hear, hear that and we think, wow, that sounds harsh, but this is amazing news. That if we have grown up with God, that we have a place. It's sort of like that president comes into, their, comes into that new office. And what does the president do? Cleans house, right? Gets rid of all the people that the, the other president had in. The bad president gets, gets rid of all of those. And the new president now brings in his or her people, right? And populates them with people who will fit their agenda, who will, who will pursue what they want to pursue. It is like this, that God will bring together his people, those who have repented and believed and pursued God with their whole heart, their whole mind, their whole strength, who loved God and their neighbor as themselves. God will pull them together and they will be a part of his everlasting kingdom. That's what that parable is all about. So, again, following, this is, this, is, this is, we're just walking through the gospel so that you can share it with others. Spread that seed. One out of four, do you ever, you notice that? How many, how many soils were there? Four soils. You talk to four people, one out of four will be good seed. That's sort of, oh, discouraging. But that one good seed that goes into that one good soil will produce 30, 60, and 100. So, spread the seed liberally. Recognize as you spread the seed and the gospel of the good news that you're attaching to it, that people understand that the secrets of men's hearts and minds, the secrets and skeletons in our closets will be exposed. And so we ought to be aware of that and recognize that nothing is hidden from God. And because nothing is hidden from God, we should beware of what we try to hide from God. Then we should understand the next step, and that is that the kingdom comes, those deeds will be tested and we will be separated. There will be that great harvest. The last parable is a parable of the mustard seed. The small seed. Um, the mustard seed, Jesus says in verse 30, 31, it's like a grain of mustard seed which is sown into the ground. It's the smallest seed, right? It's this little tiny, little nothing seed. And you put that little tiny nothing seed in the ground. And what comes of it? A tree. It grows and expands blossoms, this growing, expanding thing, which just began as a little tiny seed, just this little tiny thing becomes, and it continues to grow and grow and grow and grow and expand, and the birds of the air find their, their nests in there. They find their place. Their, they find safety and security in this tree, that this tree that's expanding is good. This is what the kingdom of God is like. In other words, the kingdom of God is this expanding good. I would attach the idea of eternality. It is this eternal, expanding rule of God, this good in which we can find our harbor and our safety. That's what we see at the end of Revelation, isn't it? The people are all together and God is in their midst and he wipes every tear from their eye. Why? Because he is in the midst of them. He is our God and we are his people and we dwell in his presence forever. And so there's this sense of deep safety and beauty and life and joy. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And Jesus lays it out for these disciples. And if you follow it here, it's actually pretty, pretty step by step. 
something that you could actually share with other people. And if we can wrap, begin to wrap this sermon up, that is exactly what I would suggest that you do. If you say to yourself, man, I don't know where I would begin. I don't know how I would even share the gospel. Read Mark 4 a few times and really see how these parables walk through. Spread the good news of the kingdom of God. When somebody says to you, I got no idea what you're talking about, right? Because the kingdom of God is a phrase that means nothing to me. Well, let me tell you what it's like. It's like a lamp that exposes every secret. It's like a farmer who plants and then he harvests and then some of the harvest is good and some of the harvest is not so good and the harvest that is good he keeps and the parts of the harvest are the parts of the plant. You ever see corn, out of corn stalk, what do you keep out of the corn stalk? The corn, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's the, now you might find some uses for like a husk or something to make dolls or some nonsense with, but the majority of that plant is tossed away and burned or just left to rot. You want the corn. That's the, that's the thing. And it's like that. God is going to separate. Did you hear, believe, repent? Were you baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? Were, were you part of that? It's like that. It's like, it's like a plant that goes into the ground, like a little tiny seed that grows in the ground and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and we, and we find our rest, our eternal place inside that kingdom. Those are things that every single one of you in this room could plant in the life of somebody. Those are stories. So what I'm asking you to do is not to memorize Bible verses, although that's great. I'm not saying you shouldn't, right? Don't hear me wrong on this. Memorize all the Bible verses you can. But one of the things that's easier for us to do because as people, we tell stories, right? You get home and what do you do? If you're Laura... You just start going on about the day. And Emery did this, and I did this, and this, like telling me stories. We tell stories. That's what we do. So tell stories. Tell parables. When you want to share the gospel, don't think that you have to get something perfectly. Lean on Jesus in these parables. Make your own parable up. Jesus was not talking about emails. You'll notice in the text that did not show up. But that's our experience, isn't it? Didn't talk about presidents. That's our experience. Find your own way of telling the story that talks about God exposing secrets, that talks about God judging us based on whether or not we've believed and repented and bought into the kingdom of God. Are we following him? Tell those parables. Make your parables. Tell your stories. The last two here are, are important. There's first of which is to tell everything. It is often pressured upon us to leave out those judgment pieces Don't do that. But when you include those judgment pieces, make sure that you've repented before you do. Make sense? We need to take those seriously. Lastly, I would say, you'll notice that in all of these parables, what ties them together is life. They're plants. They're trees. They're, they're things that are, that are good. It's food that, that gathers forth in the seed that gets planted. And it's 30, it's 60, it's 100 fold. It's, it's all of these images of peace, of life, of fruition, of joy. When you present the gospel of the kingdom of God, when you receive the gospel, if you're here today and you haven't really received the gospel, if, it, if the kingdom of God has never really made sense to you, I would I would. Plant this in you and say, this is joy, this is life, this is love, this is peace. This is good news for each and every one of us that has been planted in you and that you are either the rocky ground who can't hear. Please don't be that. You are the, 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 the path that, that won't listen. Please don't be that. You're the, the person who is so easily distracted or, or killed off by the cares and concerns of this world. Please don't be that. Be that good soil. Hear that good word. 
Embrace that light, embrace that tree, embrace that life. I love the way that Paul says it in a couple passages here in Romans, and I'll leave you with these. He says in Romans 14 that the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking. Here he's talking about divisions, people who are arguing and fighting in church. It's not about those things. But it is of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the fruit of the kingdom of God. If you are investing in God, as, as, as Jack talked about, it's investing in God. If you are investing in God in a relationship with God, that is the fruit that should come forth from your life. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. I love the way that Paul says it as well. As he says in chapter 15, verses 12 and 13, as Isaiah the prophet says, the root of Jesse shall come up and he will arise to rule the Gentiles. Again, that rule motif, the kingdom of God. But in him we will have our hope. May the God of hope then fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. People should see that in our lives. This morning, if you are in need of prayer, our elders will be down front. We'd love to pray with you. If you need to repent, if you need to ask questions about how do I get right with God, we will be down here and we'd love to help and walk with you. If you, if you are embarrassed about coming down front, catch somebody um, before you leave this building today. And if you are here today and you're a Christian and you're solid in the faith, I want to encourage you to use these parables and stories to go forth and be like Jesus and spread the good news of the kingdom of God. Let's stand as we sing this last song.